Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. weary in the midst of the battle, frustrated by misplaced expectations within our lives. Man, I thought God was leading me this way, but that's not where it was. And man, I'm just so frustrated. I'm just so overwhelmed by it. We find ourselves, again, not fully realizing that the race that we are in, beloved, is not a sprint to the goal line. It is a marathon. It is a marathon that runs the entire time of our earthly existence. I can't say, hey, I made it to 65, I can slow down now. No, as a matter of fact, I believe that the closer we get to the goal line, sometimes the harder the race becomes. We have to keep running. Have you ever ran a race and wanted to give up? In today's message from Pastor David, he encourages us to stay focused and keep running our race. As Christians, it's sometimes easy to forget that the race we're running is not a sprint, but a marathon. We can become weary in our battles and want to give up. Often, it's the closer we get to the finish line that the race becomes harder. However, be encouraged. Push through with Christ. He has already won and will lead you on to victory. Keep running your race. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, A Faithful Focus. It was the 4th of July in 1952 that on the island of Catalina, off the shoreline, the western shoreline, of course, of California, some 21 miles across, a young woman by the name of Florence Chadwick had determined that she was going to be the first woman to swim from Catalina to California. 34 years of age, she wasn't a a, a novice in this. She had already swam across the English Channel twice, going both ways. So she was confident that she could do this swim with no problem. But on July 4th, 1952, a, a huge fog had come into the area, and the water was very, very chilly. But she was determined that she was going to go, and she was going to, again, accomplish the feat that she had set for herself. So as she got into the water, and she began to swim alongside her, were uh, several boats that not only helped guide her way because she literally could not see because of the denseness of the fog, but it was also protection for her from sharks that were in the water. Well, after several hours, several hours of swimming, it wasn't the fatigue that got her down, and, uh, but yet the coldness of the water was beginning to numb her, and she finally got to the point of just being weary in the journey. And so she asked those that were in the boats to let her, let her quit and let her get back on board. Well, her trainer and even her mother were in those boats that were going alongside of her, and they encouraged her, no, stay in the water, stay in the water. We're, we're almost near shore, but the fog was so thick, 
she couldn't see where she was at. And after a few moments more, she again pleaded that they would let her into the boat. And sure enough, they, she, she stopped at that point in time. They, they brought her into the boat. And it was only a short while after that she realized she was only half a mile from the shoreline. She'd gone all those miles. And because of the intenseness of the fog, the, the coldness, the numbness, everything, she had stopped just short of the goal. As a matter of fact, in her own words, she says that I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the shore, I might have made it. I might have made it. Florence Chadwick, she, she had been licked, not, by, not because of the cold water. She was willing to, to go through that. Not because of the fatigue. She had been fatigued many other times. But she was beaten because the fog was there and she lost sight of the goal. And I submit to you this morning that there are many, many believers in Jesus Christ that stumble and fail and pull away because we lose sight of the goal. We're in 2 Timothy this morning, chapter 2, as we've been going through Timothy here. There's a lot of distractions that are in this world. There's no doubt about it. And if you're of the type that you are easily distracted, that makes your journey in Christ even more difficult because you're always being drawn to other things rather than maintaining the focus, again, of the glory of God and the honor of Christ in our lives. It's so easy to be distracted, particularly in our current culture. But it was no less difficult for them in that day. Earlier on in chapter 2, and we looked at it last week, Paul used the illustrations of an athlete and of a soldier and of a farmer to, to again, speak about that necessity for Christians to stay focused and to to press on, to to persevere and, and to have patience. And we stand before God as his servants. We stand before him as vessels that are called to be used for his glory. And all too often we find ourselves out of sorts. We find ourselves off kilter. We find ourselves too easily distracted by sometimes it's the glitter and the bling of the world. Sometimes it's because of the sufferings that we're going through and the trials that we're going through. They just begin to overwhelm us and we just grow weary in the journey and we lose sight of the goal that's before us. And when time comes for us to be usable for the kingdom, we're not prepared. We're not ready. We find ourselves unequipped for the task, or we find ourselves growing all too weary in the midst of the battle, frustrated by misplaced expectations within our lives. Man, I thought God was leading me this way, but that's not where it was. And Man, I'm just so frustrated. I'm just so overwhelmed by it. We find ourselves, again, not fully realizing that the race that we are in, beloved, is not a sprint to the goal line. It is a marathon, It is a marathon that runs the entire time of our earthly existence. I can't say, hey, I made it to 65, I can slow down now. No, as a matter of fact, I believe that the closer we get to the goal line, sometimes the harder the race becomes. We have to keep running. We can't quite tell how close that final goal line is. We can't tell in in, in this realm really where that final ending is. Oh, we can look around and we can look at the ages of some and we can, you know, in our own minds say, oh, they're almost finished with their race. But you know what? That's not true, is it? Because a young person, their race can be ended in a moment too. 
It's not really the age because God knows the number of our days. And so you see, we can't even judge those things when we look at the world and all of her distractions continue to cloud over that shoreline and we miss the goal too many times. And although we might not see it at this present time, beloved, I want you to know that all of us We are so close to that final end, and so my encouragement to each one of us is to keep going, to stay in the battle, stay committed, stay focused. Now, Paul understood, he understood fully that his time was very short. He was in that place of execution. He knew that his time was limited to days, if not just hours, Because you don't go to that particular prison until they are ready to execute you. So Paul knew there there was nothing that was fogging over his view. And at this point in time, he was compelled to relay to Timothy the urgency of the hour that he needed to continue on and he needed to press further in. Look with me, if you would, as we continue in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 8. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Paul writing to Timothy, he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." Beloved, the the focus of the gospel has to remain very clear for each one of us, without any variance, without any departure. Jesus Christ, crucified for the sin of the world and raised on the third day as a confirmation by God the Father of the full acceptance of that payment being paid in full. That's the gospel that Paul preached everywhere he went. Rather, he was debating with those on on Mars Hill there in Athens, or rather he was in the synagogue debating with the rabbis of his day or in the marketplaces, speaking and sharing with the common man. The gospel maintained the same, remained true, remained focused. And here he relates to, to Timothy that same, that consistent truth. When Paul writes here of the seed of David, he's speaking not only of the physical heritage of Jesus, that Jesus came through the birth line of King David, but he's also speaking about the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus as the Messiah. And as Paul had traveled throughout the Roman Empire declaring these very things of Jesus being the Messiah, of there being no other way, there's no other God but the one true God, as he went through that empire declaring these things, he saw many people that were converted coming to the point of now following Jesus, but at the same time, because his message didn't waver, because there was no wishy-washiness, there was no cloud or or shroud of, of shadow about it, he also made many many enemies in both the Jewish, the the religious sector, as well as in the Roman or the secular sector. In both of these areas, the message of Jesus Christ as Messiah made many enemies just as it does today. You know, you and I, we can go around in the world and we can speak about God all the time. Actually, God is kind of a, a popular topic. But as soon as you move to the name Jesus Christ, Suddenly, no, now you're too narrow-minded. Now you're stepping on people's toes because, you see, when we speak of Jesus, 
That speaks of one who came as a sacrifice because of the sin of man. If we speak about God, well, God is just love and God cares for us and God provides for us. Oh, God is great. But when we speak of Jesus, that means that I needed someone to pay for my sin. So don't speak to me about Jesus. And that's where the world really comes. Again, that's where the attack comes. But Paul would not let up. And because he refused to change the message of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Paul was looked at, as he says here, as an evildoer. He was looked at as one who would bring about civil and religious unrest and ruin within the culture. And beloved, more and more in our culture, the message of Jesus Christ is being looked at in the same way. You're going to ruin our culture by, again, sticking to that message of Jesus Christ as being the only way of salvation, that all men everywhere are sinners and they need a Savior, and it's only found through Jesus Christ. You keep preaching that, you keep declaring that, you keep testifying of that, you keep living that, you're going to mess up our culture. That's what the world is saying. And so that's why more and more within our culture, Christianity is receiving such a pushback from the culture. In Paul's case, it meant chains in a Roman prison and the very sentence of death. Yet Paul knew that even with his imprisonment, even with his impending death, the word of God would never be chained. It would never be chained. The message, the gospel, the kingdom of God would continue to march forward, but only as men like Timothy would share that message with other men and prepare them and equip them and disciple them to share it with other men, to equip them and disciple them to share it with other men. And so the message continued to go. Even in the midst of his suffering, Paul was determined to endure all things for the sake of the elect, but that that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He wanted to be certain that the message went out and it was received, and there was no other way, there was no other plan, and there was no other hope that's ever been given except salvation which is through and in Christ Jesus. In the midst of his encouragement to Timothy, Paul writes here in verse 11 through 13. He says, this is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Paul uses that phrase, this is a faithful saying. Uh, Elsewhere, he uses the saying, this is a trustworthy saying, full of all acceptance. And he uses that kind of phrasing no less than five times in his writings. And it's interesting, he uses it only in the books of Timothy and and Titus. That's the only places that he uses that. Uh, Again, it's that instruction to these men. This is some important stuff that you as a leader, you need to understand, you need to grasp hold of in order that you might share with others. Well, here in 2 Timothy, it would seem like Paul is possibly quoting from maybe an early creed of the church or or a hymn of the church. We find this actually often in in Paul's writings. He'll he'll have those little glimpses of of things that seem like it's it's a hymn or it's a creed or something. Well, here, it's either original with Paul or it's been used within the church in early days, again, as a statement of faith or perhaps a, a hymn of Uh, an expression of their faith. Within those verses, 11 through 13, 
We have what are called conditional clauses. There's four of them there. Two of them are positive with positive results. The other two, one is negative with a negative result, and the other is a negative with a positive result. They're kind of that if-then type of a formula. If this happens, then this will happen. In the first one, we read it, we understand what he's saying is, for if we died with him, then we shall also live with him. And it's understood that that death that he's speaking about there is that spiritual dying to self necessary within the Christian faith. That concept is very clear in in Paul's writings. He even hammers in on it in the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, keep your place in Timothy, flip over to the left to the book of Romans chapter six. Just look at some of the ways that again, he hammers in on this idea of death, of spiritual death for us in order that Christ might live in us. He says in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Well, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What an awesome reality that is, that when we die to our own self-desires, when we die to our own self-focus, then again, Christ lives and reigns more completely in us. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus who said in the gospel records, he said, if you're not willing to die, then don't even bother trying to follow me. Unless you're willing to take up your cross and die daily, you you can't be my disciple. Beloved, this is a real deal kind of a thing. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, he says, we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, and yet it's not us that live, but Christ lives in us in the life that we now live. We live in the Faith, the Son of God, who loves us and gave himself for us. Paul says, we died with him, we shall also live with him. The second of these four conditional clauses is, again, a powerful reminder of the battle that we're in. If we endure, then we shall reign with him. And and here he's speaking of the endurance right in the midst of the battle. This is the battle that the Lord Jesus won on our behalf. He was victorious at the cross on our behalf. But the fact is, is there's a conflict that continues to remain as long as we're carrying this carcass around. As long as we have this old tent, there's going to be battles that are coming against us. Battles of our own flesh coming against the things of God. Battles of the world coming against the things of God's kingdom. Battles of the enemy, Satan himself and his demonic horde. Again, desiring to knock us off track, to knock us out of the game, to disqualify us. As that first statement, that if we died, we'll also live with him, dealt with death and life. Here, Paul is speaking of suffering and glorification. A little bit later in this same letter in 2 Timothy over in chapter 4, Paul speaks about how that truth is worked out in his own spiritual journey. In chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. 
And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul, at the end of his life, now he knows, man, I've only got days or hours. I know that thus far I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've run my course. I've kept the faith. And he now knows that a crown awaits him. Guys in his commentary, a fellow by the name of Newt Larson, commentary on First and Second Timothy. He writes something that this week I looked at and I said, wow, that is, that's right on. He said, Western Christianity has often adopted one of the most damaging values to true Christian faith. The most damaging values to true Christian faith. And that is the pursuit of comfort and ease. Christ is frequently presented as the answer to our problems or the fulfillment of all our needs. And yet Paul understood the Christian life as one of continued struggle, suffering, and hardship in order that we might bring glory to Christ. Think about that for a moment. One of the most damaging values of true Christian faith, the pursuit of comfort and ease. Can you see that within our culture? Do do you hear that within the preaching of, of many? We do, and unfortunately, it's raising up a whole culture or a whole generation of uncommitted believers, uncommitted to the point of unsurrendered, unwilling to sacrifice, unwilling to die, unwilling to repent and never being born again. All through the New Testament, the Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, and even in the book of Revelation, we read of this suffering which comes from being faithful to the gospel and consistent in our walk in Christ. Beloved, that's not just a first century concept. That's the concept that speaks to every generation of not being a part of this world, but living our lives with a focus on eternity and keeping that focus before us. As we get into the third conditional clause, we come to a place that can be and often is pretty misunderstood. Paul writes, if we deny him, then he also will deny us. The big question that ought to come to every one of our minds, well, wait a minute, who's who's the one denying and to what extent or how much does, does that denial lead to Christ denying us? Let me share with you. We know according to the gospel records that that Peter denied the Lord, but the Lord didn't deny Peter, did he? I I submit to you that all through, again, the, the generations since the time of Christ, believers have denied the Lord to one extent or the other. So the question is, have all that have denied the Lord for any period of time, have they lost their salvation? Is it at that point that then the Lord no longer receives them? Well, Paul here in the Greek, he uses the word in the Greek that has a basic meaning of to, of course, deny or disown or repudiate or to refuse. The basic meaning is to to say no to someone. And when you take it into the full context of the all four of these declarations here, You have to understand that the the status of this one here who denies the Lord, it would have to be different than this next one that speaks of those that are being unfaithful. 
one that says they deny, one that says they are unfaithful. That's all we have time for today on The Open Word. If you'd like to listen again to today's message or hear additional teachings by Pastor David, you can do so quite easily. In fact, Pastor David has that information to share with you right now. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. That website once more is theopenword.com. The book of 2 Timothy is an insightful study on what the end of life looks like for a follower of Jesus. We can learn from the Apostle Paul's wisdom and attitude and his desire to continue serving Jesus every moment. It doesn't matter how old you are, what you've done, or who you are, Jesus has a plan for your life. As you're seeking the Lord's plan for your life, we'd like to join you in prayer. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We're so blessed to be able to share Pastor David's teachings with you on each edition of The Open Word. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the book of 2 Timothy with us. Join Pastor David next time, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.